Thank you, Pastor. Um, I just want to thank, uh, first of all, I forget, anytime you're behind somebody else's pulpit, you're trying to be condensed at the time. And uh, I did talk to one of the brothers who said when Calvin Allen was preaching, he preaching and preaching and kept on preaching. And so I said, hey, you had the right guy. And uh, that's right. But I'll try to be cognizant of that, even though I don't see a clock here. That scares me. And, uh, but uh, first of all, this is exciting. I think the first time we were here was three or four years ago on a Wednesday night. We snuck in. Um, that was during the time that our son was at Duke Hospital. He had bone cancer. And uh, the Lord has allowed him to be in remission. In fact, just Monday, she went to Duke and, um, uh, and praise the Lord, his scans were clear, which is, which is a great blessing. I knew this was coming right behind that, so I was praying it would be a good three days, not uh, nervous about another doctor's appointment. But praise God, he's been so good to us. But three and a half years ago, we snuck in for a marriage retreat that we were going to, and we hadn't been... Uh, been separated this was during covid and uh and then during uh at the hospitals you know they all they all went plumb crazy you know and during those days and so we snuck away my uh, my mom stayed with my son and uh, we just honestly i didn't want anybody to know i was here you ever been there <laughs> like my preacher right back here goes amen all right <laughs> but what i want to say is god has been good to this church and uh last year i think we came for a marriage retreat and we're going to one tomorrow um truth truth is pastors and pastors wives need to get away and you need to make sure your pastor can i free advertisement make make sure that he can do this um if he ever wants to go to myrtle beach you guys should be able to afford to send him all right but uh I told him, I said, you're welcome to our marriage retreat. It's in Raleigh. He goes, who wants to go to Raleigh? I said, but who wants to go to Myrtle Beach? I mean, it's just, you just go where it's affordable when you have a bunch of Baptists. Amen. And uh, we host one in Raleigh in August. Jamie and I do. But this is our time to get away and to, to listen to other speakers. And, and she'll tell you, she's always trying to correct our marriage. And so I appreciate that about her. But uh, back in, um, let's, see, let's see, February 2020, four years ago, three, three weeks ago four years ago yep um joel was on a sunday night was in our uh my son he's 14 now he was 10 at the time was walking around uh, the church auditorium on a sunday night and fell and uh, we had a high school football coach as a member of church at the time and and a physical therapist who graduated from campbell university she she and her husband are still part of the church and uh we jamie took them back to my office and showed this bruise on his leg or this swelling and she said well i might want to get that checked out so the next day i was uh headed home for real quick to pick something up off from the house and she called me and said we they found a tumor on joel's right femur and uh from that moment on our life changed um this was about three two three weeks before covid that shut down the hospitals and everything and but uh jamie want to say Share a little bit of what Joe went through, please. So we were diagnosed um, with osteosarcoma, which is bone cancer, uh, February 6th of 2020. And uh, the week of Valentine's, he went in and had his port put in and had his first week of chemo. And the schedule would have, out of five weeks, he had three weeks of chemo that were inpatient for five days. Um, and we were getting ready to leave that Saturday. Um, my mom had went home to Arkansas. Grandma had 
and, and John and the girls had gone home. We had our Valentine's banquet that day. And I come back from the pharmacy and the nurse met me and said, Joel fell. Because the tumor where his femur, I mean, did have it um, greatly weakened. Um, and it's, I, it's not uncommon for that's how they find out about the cancer is, you know, someone falls or that kind of thing. So his um, one week stay ended up being about an eight week stay. Um, he was, had, a, had a, the, the fracture, which was, a, was right above the tumor, and due to immobility and just the pain of it all, um, he developed a blood clot. Um, and so he continued with chemo, but we were just living in the hospital. And this was when everything shut down, and so we were literally were living on the inside. Um, in May of 2020, um, he had the big surgery. Um, and if you've seen any pictures of his scar, it's, it's, it's quite gruesome. He has a very manly scar. Um, they took out the tumor, and most times where his tumor was, um, it means you get a new knee because they have to take out extra for clean margins and such. And he was very fortunate. They didn't have to take out the knee. Um, they were able to, to not have to mess with his growth plates, which was a good thing. Um, but they used his own fibula, um, which is the, the lower bone uh, behind your tibia. Um, they grafted that in where the femur was, which is good because that'll grow with him. That is his own on, on blood vessels and blood supply. So it's less chance of infection. Um, so it's a great thing. Um, God had us in the right place because our surgeon um, 10, 15 years ago was researching and, and publishing about using this instead of a prosthetic or a cadaver bone, which was the standard of care before that. So, um, you know, he had a lot of complications. Uh, he had the fall. He had the blood clot. Um, they had to go back in uh, three weeks after that big surgery, right after his 11th birthday, and take out two hematomas. And I'm condensing a whole year, but I like to go backwards because the following year when I was just struggling with just all the things that he had dealt with and all the things that had gone wrong from, what, from our point of view. Um, so when they went back in that surgery in June, they'd sent us home and I was like a wound care nurse. The, he wasn't, it wasn't healing, it wasn't, it wasn't infected, it wasn't red and angry, but it just was not dry and healing. And so I became stealth, you know, having to, you know, under, you know, still I wouldn't disturb him and constantly having changed bandages and stuff. So they decided to go back in and they found two hematomas, but they also, while they were in there, they swabbed his hardware on his leg and there was two major forms of infection that they found. And I was really, I mean, all these things you could just, you know, why, why did we have to do this? And Thankfully, God helped us not have that attitude at the time. Mm -hmm. We weren't kicking and screaming. We were just Amen. rolling with it. What we, comes next? We, uh, when Joel fell, it was to the grace of God, it was at the hospital. That was always our attitude because he has two sisters who are good gals. And they love the Lord, but I can't imagine if they tripped over her, you know, or if they were around. I remember we got called in to meet with, like, a staff of 12 medical facility folks from the Duke Hospital, high ups, middles, surgeons, head nurses. And I think they were ready for us to explode on them because it was really this girl's fault that he fell. But God gave us grace. Yes. Mm -hmm. And and through that, even now when we go back four years later, we still see our gospel tracks. We wrote a gospel track, I've shared it with your pastor before. We still see these gospel tracks at people's desks. Yeah. 
yeah. all over yeah. Duke Someone Hospital. Someone recognizes and they're like, oh, yeah, I had that card <laughs> on um, Monday. So, you know, Romans 8.28, we know all things work together yeah. for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Um, I was talking, I was counseling with somebody on my way here today, and he says, Pastor, it seems like this is going on, this is going on, this is going on, this is going on. And I reminded him, I said, the devil's hearing this conversation too. Yeah. One more, yeah. one more. If, if you have a mentality, if it's one more thing, yeah. you can't. I said, but I'll tell you, life is about valleys. Yea, though I walk through the valley yeah. of the shadow of yeah. death. Sometimes you're walking in it, but keep walking because yeah. I don't want to stay in the valley, right? right? And uh, J- Jamie has been a, a, a graceful caretaker. I let her talk most because I wasn't allowed, both of us weren't allowed in the room when the doctors yeah. would come. And so she, you know, I just went and did crazy dad stuff at night. That was fun. Amen. All right. I mean, but uh, so like all the words, like if I give this testimony, I mess it all up and she tells me later. But go ahead, babe. Yeah. But so to finish my, my, my thought, I, I want to share it this way because it condenses all of the things. Um, so looking back, and you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. although after living through twenty twenty, I don't really care for that phrase anymore. Um, but the way that God helped us not to get mad at each mm. setback and each, in, in each delay, each, you know, he had a chemo delay over a hang, uh, an infected, you know, toenail. Just the, if it if it could happen, it seemed like it did happen with Joel. It was just um, so. In 2021, I'm looking back at his medical record, which is quite the novel at this point. And he had the surgery, and they had to go back in, and they found the infection. So if we go back, so he fell, and he was immobile. He was on a pain pump. And you just you never want to see your child that way. And and his his physical therapy was was sitting up and, and going from the from the bed to the chair. Um, and they were like, Oh, you can take him home. And I said, No, <laughs> because we live three hours from here. And if daddy I couldn't I couldn't guarantee that daddy would be there. I said, if he pops a fever and you just gave him chemo, so he will, I have to be able to take him from my house to the van, you know, all these things. I said, we stay here until I, till he is strong enough that I can get him in and out of the car. And so that's why we stayed. So he stayed, he developed, he was on the pain pump and the immobility. um, And then he developed the blood clots. They had him on blood thinners. And of course you stop that before surgery, but that's why the surgery, that's why the the wound never healed or didn't completely heal. And they found the, 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 um, the infection. But I look at all that because that infection would have not been found without symptoms or without something major. And I can't tell you if that would have would have cost him his leg or what that would have been. Just I can't even fathom that. So the Lord allowed allowed us to see that fall was on purpose because it led to things. It led to everything. And God was God's hand was in everything. God kept us safe. Because had he fallen at home, besides the one of us or our, our girls having the guilt of that, I mean, I I kind of pray for that lady, but she won't. She never met. You know, she didn't met us. She she can. You know, she didn't doesn't live with us, so she didn't see that. Um, and it was hard, but God gave us the grace that we needed for that. Yeah. And then the blood clot, but they found it. We were in the hospital. We were living in the hospital. I I had no clue. Yeah. You know, well, how do you know of look like? You have a pain. Well, he had a fracture. How would I have known? But, mm-hmm. but he was under 24-hour care, and they started the medicine. And because he was on antibiotics in June, he didn't have any more extra 
um, chemo fever stays. So if he had, because he was already on the antibiotics. So I look back that God saved him to the point, had us in the right places, had us in the exactly where we needed to be. And now my my view of grace is kind of like manna, like the grace that we needed then. I didn't have it before that day. Um, you know, we went to the hospital for on Monday for scans um, because most commonly osteosarcoma comes back in the lungs. And like I said, you, you know, it's, I, I know a girl in Alabama, she fell off her porch. Then when they took her to the doctor, she had a, a tumor, a broke bone, and she had, you know, spots in her lungs already. Um, so that's actually quite common. So it's a miracle. It's a God's grace that we, yes. that we found it when we did. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the, the grace that we need for, for each day is, is there. Um, and to this point, I feel like we're just bragging on God because he has supplied everything yeah. we need. Um, you know, Joel has asked, you know, and you, you never want to hear your child ask this, but, well, Mom, what happens if it comes back? And I could tell him, buddy, the same God that got us through the first time will get us through any time. Now, we hope we never have to have that grace again. Um, but we're to the point now where we can confidently say that God will get us through that. Um, each, he goes back every four, four months, and then they'll go to six months, and then they'll go to a year. Um, you know, he has several spots in his lungs, although if we all had a CT of our lungs, we might all have little spots, but they're not concerned. Um, but they're just watching for growth because anything, you know, could become suspicious. Um, there's three kids that were diagnosed this same month as Joel that are no longer with us. And so we, we rejoice that we have what we have. And I'm even more grateful that God has allowed us to till, still see him as good. Yes. And that, it hasn't ta- that, that we still have that. Because yes. that's, that's the only way you get through it. Amen. That's right. You want to sing? It's like, <laughs> All right. <laughs> See 
from thee. Send a revival, start the work in me. You know, I look back in a lot of a lot of reflection, with a lot of gratitude of what God has done, and uh, I had just asked my wife on the way here if she would uh, feel comfortable and in, in saying something if if the pastor allowed it because he asked for our testimony and she does much better than I do. But you know, from the dad side, the the pastor side. I look back at how even in what the world thought was a horrible year, there's times I've said to God, thank you, Lord. It sounds so selfish, so please don't, 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 it's really loud. It it sounds really selfish, so please don't take it like I'm being disingenuous to what people went through during COVID. But I said, Lord, if there's ever a year, pastors, that there were less pressure on us to pastor people, it was COVID. Because we weren't allowed to go to their houses. We weren't allowed to go to the hospitals and visit them. There was no expectation of really, it really was minimized. Now, even churches, half the church here probably would have been happy if pastor didn't do anything. The other other part was mad because he didn't do enough. That's every church in America. That's not your church. I'm not picking on you because we all dealt with it differently. My parents go to church in Florida. They're snowbirds. And to this day, my mom goes, I wish they would just do more. <laughs> because she saw that in our church, I, I had a pastor from Indiana come and speak for us. In August, during COVID, we were packed. And the pastor said that, uh, that the Marines aren't afraid of COVID. COVID's afraid of the Marines. And uh, that, was his, that was his understanding. But he was from a large church, and they could have two services and spread out. Nobody was three pews away from each other. Um. I just, I look back and I think God has been so good. And I hope you got, I hope that the Lord knows that we're not, I was thinking while Jamie was giving that testimony about Zach and Gabby, they're, uh, Zach's on the road as a lineman, but Gabby should be in church tonight and I'm doing discipleship with them on Friday mornings and, and uh, he got saved because he got one of these tracks. Mark chapter 8, verse 37 says, For what shall a man, or what, for what shall a man, oh, I'm going to read it. Mark chapter 8, For what shall it profit a man if he gains, shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Yeah. Or what shall a man give in exchange of his soul? How many millions of dollars in care did my son get? Millions of dollars. One thing that the doctors didn't do was send us a bill, <laughs> even for our, deduct- even for our uh, deductible after Joel fell. It got really quiet, and uh, there were no copays in the mail for a little while after that. Uh, thank the Lord for insurance, but thank the Lord for no copays. Yeah. And, uh, but church, I'll, let's look back for a minute. 
And think how blessed you are. I, I meant what I said. There's probably half the people were here four years ago than are here tonight. And I never thought anything better or less than your pastor. I really got to know your pastor last year. This is our fourth year about this week we've come. And, uh, and since the church was stronger, I, 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 let my, I let a man our church preach on the Wednesday night before we go to marriage retreat. We usually go to one every year, just her and I. And, uh, and uh, my, my good pastor friend had one for six years straight. And God sent him out to Arkansas to take a, a ministry. So we're going to one tomorrow with another church. I'll let you know if we'll be back next year or not. Don't tell him. And I don't know. I just, I just knew my pastor friend. And he had a passion for everything. He does, still does. He's doing a good job in Arkansas now. But uh, the Lord allowed us to start coming on Wednesday night just to see. Last year, I asked the pastor if we could go out to breakfast. And then I heard the testimony of his son and what the Lord's done in his life. And you know, I'm reminded by everyone has hurts. Yeah. One pastor once said, be kind to everyone because everyone's having a tough time. Yeah. That's right. I think you all come honest by your name. Friendship Baptist Church. Yeah. You come honest by it. I remember one year I was here and there were two ladies sitting right here. And uh, the, the, the announcement was made that you all got a card. And these two ladies invited somebody out for pancakes or something after the service. And that blew my mind. I, I go back to our church every week and say, you know, you never have a chance at a first impression. Right. Um, when you're passing all these mailers, and we're going to do the mailers too. I've talked to your pastor about it. Uh, right now, what we're doing, we're writing handwritten le letters onto the base community. But when we get in our new auditorium, we're going to do the mass mailers. Um, I want our people, the Bible says, I believe everyone's to be a soul winner. There are some folks that can't get up and down the, the roads and highways and hedges, but they can write a letter and put a gospel track in it. So for now, I'm going to keep doing that. I think we're going to do um, over 800 March 4th through 9th. Our goal is to get 5,000 gospel tracks into homes, whether by letter in one week, in five days, whether by letter, by uh, handwritten letter onto the base. Because you can't knock on doors. Those of you who understand, you can't on base personnel. You can't go and what they call uh, fraternized, what we call soul winning. Amen. You can't do that. But, um, but uh, we're also going to knock on doors in the new communities and, and do what you all are doing. Why? Because the gospel is why God blesses churches. That's right. That's right. Um, so as I look back, you know, I, I, we came to Maranatha Baptist Church in Jacksonville 12, almost 13 years ago. When we got there, um, the pastor before was a retired uh, a retired Navy man, but he also was a retired missionary. He did 15 years in South Africa and 20 years in the Navy. In his last 10 years, he was pastoring at our church. His health had gone down a little bit, so he had to come back stateside, and this church was open. And Pastor Chuck is a good man and a friend and somebody I still consider a mentor who, Jamie, I need to call this week. Remind me to call him. Um, and, uh, but Pastor Lindley loved missionaries. How many of y'all love missionaries? I love missionaries. They're heroes. I just spoke at a missions conference two weeks ago, and I told my pastor friend, I said, this missions conference with your missionaries has cost our church $5,000, and it's starting to kill me. All right, got to get out of town before my church fires me for spending too much money on your missionaries because I'm preaching the conference. And, uh, but I'll tell you, my wife can tell I can't, there's some things going on in our church right now that i got to call today. I am on cloud nine. Like, like you can never outgive God. Like, I wish I had liberty, my wife's shaking her head, she is, to share what God did for Maranatha Baptist Church today. I mean, like, my church is going to explode. 
I'm telling you, you can never outgive God. Last week, Wednesday night, one of our young young men, uh, young uh, my my organist's son is a church planner, church revi- uh, re- reviving a church in Topeka, Kansas, and he called me in tears. He goes, Pastor, I'm struggling. I'm working 45 hours a week at Chick Fil A. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. i got two kids. We're living in the back hallway of the church in two bedrooms, which were Sunday school classrooms. He goes, I'm struggling. And he goes, I don't know what to do. And the Lord said, well, you're going to do something. I said, I'm going to do something. I said, you didn't ask for anything. Our church that night voted to give him $400 a month. Amen. Within, I'm telling you, this is twice in a month that God's told us to do something, and God's blessed us back. You can never outgive God. Let me also say that when it comes to this, I taught our people this. A church that takes care of the man of God, God will take care of that church. Now, don't please, 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 please know my heart. We've shared our heart with you. But don't go and doubt on guest speakers and not love on your preacher. You know, we, we don't think about that. Um, sometimes we think we need to take care of the man of God, but what's the man of God that God sent you here? And I know his testimony, how he had to come back to stateside. God had called him to Canada, but God said, it's time for you to come back. And so there's no doubt in this church's mind that that's God's man for this church. That's not why I came here, why he had me come here. But can I tell you, just on what God's done today, I I can't help but singing praises to the Lord. Um, I remember, uh, I'm, just, I'm just talking to friends, okay? I remember uh, back 12 years ago, our first missions conference. And uh, I, one of the first things that hit my desk as the young pastor is, Pastor, we have 47 missionaries. And I'm thinking, just 47 people voted for me yesterday. That's not good. Well, the previous preacher had given his whole Navy pension over $2,000 a month to missions. He was living on the salary of the church, which was a fair salary, but he was pensioning. I didn't have $2,000 coming in extra, and uh, I couldn't make up the difference. I remember for a while, and this is to my shame, this isn't to my faith, that Jamie and I went down and got food stamps, and we took our grocery budget, and we gave our entire grocery budget to missions, because those missionaries were promised $50 to $75 a month, and they were getting $15 to $25 a month. And that burdened me. Yes. Yes. But year after year through missions conference, and by the way, the Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. People who get upset with preachers talking about money are upset with the Bible because the Bible talks more about money than it does grace. The Bible talks more about money than it does about peace on earth. Where your treasure is, there is your heart also. Okay, I, this, isn't a, this, is, this is just a collection of thoughts. The Lord began to have our family give to missions in a serious way. Long story, I don't know why I'm telling you this. This is, this, this is just one pastor talking to a group of people. And uh, if you allow me to come back next time and sit in the back, I'll appreciate it. That's all I'm asking, all right? Just don't lock the door on me, okay? Uh, I do have a job, and so i got to go back, all right? But, you know, it was Valentine's Day two years or three years prior to Joel getting cancer. We got a letter from the DSS. Now, again, we, they said, we miscalculated your funds. You owe $19,000. They miscalculated. The government messed up. How does that happen? <laughs> I was like, well, if there's ever a chance for them to fire Jamie and I, now's the chance. 
Now, granted, my deacons and my treasurer knew what I what, what that we went down there. They they knew I I didn't tell the whole church. We had a business meeting. The church unanimously voted to take that nineteen thousand dollars and pay it off. Because when you take care of the man of God, God takes care of that church. Fast forward now seven years. Our church. 12 years, 47. You understand, we're in a military community. So every three years, I got two families on Sunday that said, Pastor, we could get orders this summer. One's teaching like the three and four-year-old Sunday school class. Who wants that class? All in favor? Say, nah. <laughs> I liked you. you you're, hey, she raised, she raised her hand. Okay, we'll talk after. Maybe we do a trade. All right, all right. She's willing to go for cash stock options. All right, good, all right, good. <laughs> I get it. But God gifts some people for three and four-year-olds, and God does not gift me for three and four-year-olds. I just passed the Marines. They're five and six-year-olds. That's all right. All right, got it. Those of you who get military jokes, that's free. All right, don't get mad at me. And so, last Sunday, we had 215 in church. There's only two people left from the first Sunday we were there because of turnover, and, and by the way, and sticking with the King James Bible. I lost a third of my members because I wasn't going to change the Bible. And God shall... So, so fast forward, last year, Pastor, when you were at July, when you came to our Jubilee, we were talking about our building, and I was showing you the pictures, and maybe even, I don't know if I showed you some prints, early on prints. About that time, we had about a half a million dollars in the bank. As of this morning, we have $900,000 in the bank for our building. And more coming. I got a call today. I'm about to have glory run and shout and fit down the middle of your house. Ma'am, you might need to move. All right, that's not a safe place right now. All right. All I'm saying is, all I'm saying is, I look back. I remember the first week, Pastor, you understand how much it costs to go to the hospital. It's not cheap. Then you make it eight weeks in a row. Like back and forth, back and forth, three hour drive to the hospital. I remember the first week we were at the hospital, we had just gone, and, uh, and I, my mom was in town for a couple days, and I was about to head back, and I remember saying to my mom in the kitchen, of she was at the hospital with Joel, I remember saying, I, we, only one visit, they'd given us this chart, for 11 months, 10 months, you're going to be back and forth, back and forth, and this is in a perfect world, we've already mentioned that life in 2020 wasn't perfect. And I stayed in a hotel for two nights. My, my grandmother and my grandfather are both in heaven now, but they said, we have comfort sweeps points you can stay. And there was a comfort inn across the street from the hospital. I'm like, hallelujah, and uh, praise God, and uh, free. And uh, you spell that with a lot of ease when you don't have any money. Amen, F-R-E. And I was, I, was, I was nervous. I said, but just going out to eat, gas. I said, I said to my mom, I don't know how I'm going to be able to afford this without going into credit card debt. Now understand, I wasn't asking my mom for anything. My parents are, are not retired yet, but they were four or five years from retirement. My grandparents were down in Florida. Truthfully, they could have financially helped me if I just said, Grandma, I need your help. But I didn't want to call on Grandma. I wanted to call on God. Within two weeks, I got two checks from churches, assemblies, Fundamental Baptist Church and said, we heard about your story. From that point on, I, about a month into the journey, the Lord, we're talking about I'll give in God. This is where God's going tonight, okay? Is that all right? This is not what I was planned. My sermon title is Christians Are to Be Happy. I hope you are. <laughs> 
So far, no one's looking mad at me, preacher. Just your daughter, but she works here. And uh, we know what she makes. And uh, <laughs> I think, I tell you, the first time I saw her play, she was so nervous. Probably still is. But I remember on my way home, and I said, I am so proud of that little girl. You touched my heart because I have a daughter just a couple years younger than you. And uh, it touched my heart. Uh, you gave me my line. I'm not frying. I'm telling the truth. Okay, good. All right, good. I said, that girl touched my heart. Anyways, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, let's move on. All right, but um, so the Lord, not audibly, of course, but spoke to my heart. You can't afford this without these checks coming in without, that you're not asking for. And he and I agreed. You're right. So from that point on, the Holy Spirit said, start giving 20% yep. of what come in extra. Amen. And you know what I did? I said, yes, sir. Amen. Okay. All throughout. I should very easily, very easily be twenty-five dollars to $30,000 in debt without even, without even a hospital bill. And going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Hotels, um, Airbnbs. Anytime my mother-in-law, father-in-law especially came into town, I felt like I had to pay for it because they were coming to support my wife, who I took from them. And, uh, and so we rented Airbnbs a couple of times. Then God opened a home of a Christian businessman in the area, which saved us tens of thousands of dollars. Because I could stay up there for a whole week at a time. They, they even let me have a closet. Put my clothes in there. The girls across the hall had their own bedroom with bunk beds. Now, they weren't allowed in the hospital, but they could be six miles apart where mom could come out for four or five hours and take them out for a cup of coffee. Anyways, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 in debt. Well, during this time, Make-A-Wish calls my son. Her paperwork says, hey, we want to set up a Zoom and Joel, what would you like? Well, Joel being the spiritual giant he is, and I'm serious, the kid for 14 years old, by the way, he still walks with crutches. If he was here today, he'd have a crutch. And he actually had a surgery a month ago, almost to the day, where they stopped. Here's his bad leg. The scar goes from here. She talked about the scar goes from here all the way down here. And it's about yay thick. It's, it's intense. Um, but his, this leg, because the fibula is a lot thinner than the femur, which is the fattest bone in the body, the fibula is so skinny. I got to think about this one day. This is just what God, this is some of the things that God is, as, we don't think on these things. We think about the goodness of God. But you know, it was one day I was, I said to a pastor who I was getting counseling from and just talking like I am now. I said, Pastor, could it be that God put in an extra bone behind your shin that has no bearing on your health at all? Just for my son? You think God so loves my son? Amen. Now again, I I I be careful with stuff like that. But when you're going through trials, you want to claim the love of God. I can make it personal. Just like I I did with COVID. I'm not trying to minimize. I'm sure there's someone here who's lost a family member with COVID. And so when I say you know COVID's afraid of the Marines, and I get some churches needed to. I I know a church that lost three or four members in that year. We didn't barely get anybody sick. We were blessed. But I think God put his hand of protection on our church. Because if I got it and I got it to my son, it could have killed him. Okay? Because his immune system was so low. But God sustained us. 
So Joel's in, we're in our old home in front of the TV, and there's a Zoom. Jamie's set the computer, and he says, Joel, if you could have anything, forget anything your mom and dad have said. And uh, I was thinking Lamborghini, but and, uh, no, no. I said, anything, forget anything your mom and dad said. What would you want if you could have any dream? I mean, I, what does a 10-year-old usually say? I, I want to go to Disney World. Okay, they get a lot of those requests. Uh, I'd like to meet my favorite baseball player. His favorite baseball player at the time was Mike Trout. And I was hoping he didn't say that. And the reason is, is I know, I, my pastor growing up, I was saved under the ministry of Kevin Trout. That's, Mike, that's Kevin Trout's nephew is Mike Trout, the most famous baseball player in the country. He actually sent him a pair of cleats and a signed autograph. It's just a thing. It just sits in his office. And so this is what my son said. He said, I'd like to go to Israel. And the lady's eyes got like this big, like why in the world would a 10-year-old boy want to go to Israel? And she asked him that. Why would you want to go to Israel? Explain. She goes, because that's where my Savior died on the cross. I'd like to see it with my own eyes. Now, because of COVID vaccines, we were not allowed to go to Israel. However, the mindset, God blessed. So we were in a two-story home. The Lord, um, the Lord made it very clear. I went in front of my church deacons and pleaded and said, look, this is what I have to do. I, I have to move. And I, not move like out of your church, our church. We're here, but I got to move. And if you remember then, the interest rates were really low, but the housing had spiked. And the market was getting small. People were moving out of New York to Myrtle Beach, right? Jacksonville has, it's 30 minutes from Surf City. We're not that bad. And, uh, we're good. But y'all had, the military wasn't moving then, so those houses weren't opening up and people were still moving around. And So the, we ended up living, we sold our home in one day, long story short. We stayed in an RV outside of one of our senior citizens' house. The kids stayed in their house in their spare bedrooms. We stayed in an RV. We just confirmed RV living is not for John and Jamie, and God used that in our life. You know, when I retire, I'm going to get an RV. No, I don't want to get an RV. Did it for 40 days. That's good. And uh, I'm soft, okay? I want a mint on my pillow, all right? And, uh, and so um, we, went, we began to pray. People were all over the country were praying for us. Our friends, our former church members, because by the way, we have church members, families all over America and around the world that we've ministered to. Because my, because our church is filled of military, Marines and Navy, and so the Lord sent us into this home. It is beautiful. It, pastors, you went, didn't you come over? God just did amazing. Like everything about it screams God. Well, we told Joel he had already gone down to pool therapy. We told we told Joel, uh, Joel, it's probably Israel's not going to happen. Now, I'm, I want you, how many of y'all will pray with me? I would love this church. I don't say it's in front of my church because I don't want to guilt them, and I don't want to guilt you. How many would pray that my son can get to Israel wins his leg heals? Now, here's the thing. It's going to be at least three or four years because they're going to break his leg in 18 months and straighten it. It's going to be a major surgery. But I, I've been to Israel. I went when I was in 10th grade. And it's a lot of walking. So, but would you pray? I believe God will give him the desires of his heart. But I don't want to say that in front of my church and put the pressure on them. Yes. Right? Okay. So I want you to pray. Putting the pressure on you. There we go. To pray. All right, good. Well, so this is what God did. So we told Joel, I said, Joel, you're already going down to the pool store, or the pool, common pool, for therapy with a physical therapist. 
I said, why don't we ask, make a wish for a pool? He said, Dad, I like that idea. He said, this is what he said, the girls will enjoy it too. And I'm thinking as a dad, I'm thinking, good, it's more family stuff than one week trip somewhere that they blow all this money. I'm happy. Well, we go in with this gospel track. There's two pool stores in our community. And, uh, and I take gospel tracks to all the workers in both pool stores. And I said, look, it's my son. We were out visitation on Thursday night. Um, I said, hope you don't mind. Just to let you know, there's a good chance Make-A-Wish is going to be contacting you. We're closing on our house in two weeks. Once they do, they're going to contact you. And I, I said, can you keep us in mind because I want this summer the pool to be in. I only got four more, you know, three more years with my oldest, five more years with my second oldest. This summer is a big summer. And they said, okay, well, that's fine. We hear from them. We'll keep that in mind. Went to the one, and, and uh, Allison was sitting there, and Allison, um, she texted me today. Her, um, her, her grandma fell and since had surgery today. But she sits right here now in the front row. I have to lead her husband to the Lord. Amen. My daughter led their granddaughter to the Lord, who's they're fostering. They attend our church now. And uh, she got this track, and, and uh, Allison calls her boss and said, Hey, you're going to be hearing from Make-A-Wish uh, I got this card. Her boss had COVID during the time. Fast forward to Valentine's Day. It's an it's a, it's a important day in our life, isn't it, babe? Now that I think of it, it keeps coming up. This was two years ago, Valentine's Day. Our, our church secretary was getting married. Who Another God sent. God sent the most wonderful church secretary. My wife was the church secretary and basically started training her replacement. And my wife ghosted her, right, when cancer happened. Bye, you know. And uh, she worked from remotely some, which you can, but she couldn't do the things at the church. But Amanda found a fella, and she was getting married in northern Michigan, and we were her wedding singers. I think that was just pity on us for losing our secretary. And uh, so we were up in Michigan on 75 North. Who gets married in Valentine's weekend in northern Michigan? Talk about insanity. And, uh, but uh, that was free. That's good preaching right there. You can say amen to that, all right? Uh, and so... We're on 75 North, headed towards Saginaw, Michigan from Detroit Airport. And we get a call, and Miss Sheila says, is this Pastor John McConkie? I said, yes. She goes, are you able to talk? I said, sure. I'm, she goes, is your wife there? I said, yes. She's right here. We're on speaker in a vehicle. She goes, are your kids there? I said, no. She goes, good. I need to talk to you. And I'm thinking to myself, that's not how I want to start a conversation. I'd never talked to her. I'd emailed her. But... The, the Make-A-Wish, when they granted us the wish, said we're going to use pools, patios, and spas out of Jacksonville, North Carolina. She does the owner, so I emailed her once or twice. She said, you know, I've really been thinking a lot about Joel. I've followed your story. I'm on your Facebook link now, and I've really been following that, and I really do not have peace about your request. Now, understand, Make-A-Wish for years has been giving the same package when someone asks for a pool. That's from an above-ground pool. They put a deck on if a child's handicapped, life-impaired. Uh, life They'll put one of the machines on that helps them get in the pool. They'll do all that. They won't charge a parent anything. But that's the package. Take it or leave it, right? And that's how they work. They don't negotiate. She says, I've really struggled with it. And uh, she goes, this is what... She goes, so I had to make some phone calls. She goes, I called my manufacturer of who I buy my pools from, and they're on board. End up being a Mormon man who I've witnessed to two times. Would you pray for him to be saved? He is a good, his name's Jason. He is a good man. I mean a good man. He's a Mormon. I would let my children, I, don't know, I can't speak for her. 
I would let my children stay overnight at his house. I mean, you know what I'm saying. He's a good, I'm not going to, but he's a good man. Him and his wife, good people. She goes, but I also had to go in front of into Raleigh, North Carolina, to the Make-A-Wish, uh, do a conference call with them, with the board of directors. And in the history of Make-A-Wish, you're the first family that's been approved to put an in-ground pool in your backyard. You say, you're spoiled. Yep. You see, because 12 years ago, we said we're going to take missions giving seriously. That's right. Amen. Four years ago, God said give 20%. Amen. Now, he didn't tell me to do that on my salary. I'm not trying to sit here and be ultra spiritual. He told me on extra giving. You know, God also told me about two years ago, anytime you get an opportunity to share your testimony or preach and they give you a love offering... He told me a number to give before anything is kept for my family to give to the building fund. Today, I got an email with zeros on it for our building fund. What's the point? When God tells you to do something, learn to say yes. yes. Amen. You know why Christians aren't happy? Because you don't follow the Bible. That's right. And you don't follow the Holy Spirit. That's right. That's right. The Bible says... In John 13, 17, if you know these things, happier ye if you do them. I don't have time to expository the message because I got, I'm going to take six more minutes because I want to rain around and hear this men's quartet, all right? We got to see if we can book you guys for our July Jubilees, okay? Is it that good? No, all right, no one's. <laughs> I have an opening though, all right? All right. <laughs> I literally saw grown men cry. And, uh, so let me ask you a question. That was mean, but it didn't mean to be mean. I'm never going to be invited back in this house. Is there another bathroom? No, this good. I know, I know. So let me ask you this. And this is just self-reflection. Let the Spirit of God speak to your heart. Does your neighbors think you're happy? Do your coworkers? Do your children? Teenager. There's a few of you in here. Do your parents think you're happy? The Bible says, if you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. Can I tell you, it is not easy for my wife and I to get up and testify. But once I get going, God has been so good. God has been so good. And by the way, I came in here and I turned around during the song service. I go, man, God's been good to this church too. God's been good. But we as Christians, we stare at our problems when I believe we should gaze at our problems and stare at the Savior. Amen. I'll close with this. That's not a message, please. If that offends anybody that we didn't preach, this is what God totally changed the pastor. Like, when Joel was in the hospital, and this is where we'll end, but this could take a few minutes to, to, to gather. I think Jamie knows where I'm going. When Joel was in the hospital, right after his major surgery, they literally cut open his leg. There was like plastic tubes coming out in and out of his leg. It was a sight for an adult to manage. But to a 10-year-old kid, looking at yourself with tubes coming out of your leg, I mean, literally 
the, the draining it. You could see like drips of draining going into a bag from his leg. The one Jamie mentioned about the surgery, they ended up going back and doing it again. Well, it's Memorial Day there in 2020. Hospitals are the worst, but hospitals are the worst on holidays because it's slim pickings. And all the child life specialists, the people who come around with balloons and try to like make kids happy, you just want to kick them. But uh, God bless them in the name of the Father. Actually, we had the best child life specialist girl. And uh, see, I'm, see, I'm telling you, I just think of how good guys. Her name was Claire. Claire was an angel from heaven. Amen. Sweet girl. And I, I, got to, I got to give her one of these tracks. And we were, I was preaching at my alma mater in Indiana and, and a chapel. And we called Claire, because Claire, at the end of Joel's treatment, transferred her husband, was a, a lawyer, and he was, or, I'm sorry, pharmacist, and he was attached to the University of Illinois, or Chicago Hospital for his doctorates or whatever. And so we called Claire, emailed her, and she came out to a restaurant, and, and I said, Claire, I hate to embarrass you, but was Joel, was Joel one of your favorite patients? She said, Joel was my favorite patient. She said, anytime I came in here, it came in your room. I looked forward because I knew that that room was going to be filled with joy. Sweet girl. She just had her first baby recently, right, Jamie? You told me. So Joel, but Joel, like any of us, had to learn to face his fears. And his fear was looking at a scar. I, I, I'm not trying to be crude, but it's not going to be possible for a young man to stand and use the restroom for the rest of his life without looking where his scar's at. Forgive me if that hit any line. I hope it didn't. But he couldn't stand, he couldn't stand to barely even get a can and go to the bathroom without block my eyes. When the doctors or nurses would come in, he would faceplant himself. He'd put his laptop or his iPad over his head or he'd put a blanket over his head, wouldn't he, Jamie? Because he didn't want to see his womb. Well, it began to really bother me because at some point you're going to have to face your fear. Like, I'm still a dad, right? Like, son, pop, you know? You're going to have to face it. You got the man up. You're 10. <laughs> and so I, I began to give everything I had, Pastor. Every Bible verse. Every piece of wisdom. I began to call the pastors that he looked up to, my mentors. I called my pastor in Michigan, who I trained under, who's a, who's a Coast Guard auxiliary chaplain and a man's man, a hunter and a fisherman. I, I'm a golfer. <laughs> hey, listen, that makes me manly in this community. Somebody stand with me here. I look for a man and I found somebody. Help me out here. All right, I got it. And uh, looking at, and so Joel just wouldn't face the wound. I mean, we're talking a month, three weeks, four weeks. Wouldn't look at it. And so I, I called his pastor in Michigan. I called his grandparents. Nothing. You know, grandparents are usually good about stuff like that. They help, right, Grandpa? All right. They're this. That's what they're nothing. Well, there's a pastor uh, evangelist, and I would suggest pastor if you don't know him, you get to know him by the name of Chuck Harding. Do you know Chuck, Chuck Harding? He does uh, missions to America. I'm telling you, you want to be like blown away with someone's brain power of the history of America. And he does soul winning evangelism in, in the D.C., into the Capitol building. Takes churches. If you ever say, I'm going to go visit our South Carolina legislator, he'll escort you, set the buildings up. It's his ministry. Phenomenal ministry. I've met, that's how I met Tim Scott. 
I met him at one of his meetings that he had some years ago. So I called Brother Harding on Memorial Day, and I said, Brother Harding, you're a historian. He's a historian. He's just brilliant. I said, I'm here with Joel. He goes, oh, and he loves Joel, like, loves Joel like one of his grandsons. And I said, Brother Harding, I need a favor. I said, I need you to cheer Joel up. He's in the hospital. It's Memorial Day. I said, can you tell some stories to Joel about Memorial Day? Now, you know, probably a better holiday than telling my people dying now that I think about it, but that's okay. We went with it. And he goes, he started telling a story to me. He goes, Joel, what are you doing tonight at 7 o'clock? Now, you have to understand, at 8, if I'm not out of the hospital at 8, that woman's upset with me in Christian love. Because at 8 o'clock during COVID, they kicked parents out. And only one could stay. And to this point, I hadn't had parental rights yet. <laughs> Jamie had all the night sh shifts. I had the afternoon shifts. She had the morning doctor calls. Is that fair, babe? I'm, I'm telling the truth. She's, she's bummed up me. Elisa, can I? We, we ate a ham and cheese sandwich for church. Can I at least get an ice cream cone so I'm not in the doghouse tonight, okay? All right, David. I'm taking your ice cream time away. I apologize. Men's practice, I'm taking your time away too. God, all these men said amen. All right, good. <laughs> so. He goes, what are you doing at 7 o'clock tonight? And I said, Brother Harding, I said, we're going to be here at the hospital. We ain't going nowhere. And he goes, okay, I want you to call this number. I'm having a prayer call tonight. Over 300 pastors, this was before the 2020 election, over 300 pastors are going to be praying for America tonight at, at, at 7 o'clock. I want Joel on. I'm going to have two special guests. And I want Joel to talk to him. I said, okay. So I get on the call. And on the call are two men. If you, Any military friends here? Okay. Two, am I saying this right, Jamie? Medal of Honor recipients, right? No, yes, but that's the right term, Medal of Honor. Joel would correct me if not. Woody Williams, who just died from West Virginia, and Gary Bikert. Woody Williams was World War II. I mean, Woody Williams is a national treasure. If you see Medal of Honor uh, to, uh, all over a country, he's raised money to put Medal of Honor um, uh, statutes over. Chuck Harding actually spoke at his funeral alongside of the, the uh, mansion. Of, those were two speakers. Ma mansion and Chuck Harding gave the gospel. So Woody Williams gets on and talks to Joel. And, and, and during this, Brother Harding saying, pastors, I want you to pray for Joel. We're trying to help him to, to, to understand this scar. And, and, and he's dealing with this scar. And he's seen a lot of injuries. And he's been through what most 10-year-olds have never been through. And, uh, and he goes, I, I want you to, I want pastors, I want you to be praying for Joel. Right now he's in the hospital in Duke. He just had the surgery. And now he's healing and had chemo last week. And so Woody Williams gets on and was a great help, but Gary Bikirk gets on, and Gary Bikirk was an a, a army uh, uh, a medic and during Vietnam, and he got shot in the stomach, greatly wounded, but saved 10 people's lives after he was shot. Woody Williams went uphill towards a bunker with, a, with one of the propane tank guns, and they said if he would have flinched for one minute, they would have shot his tank and would have blown him up. But God spared his life. He got shot several times, but God spared his life. And he went and took out the enemy and burned him alive. Like, this is like hero status stuff, right? Gary Biker gets on, and, and this is why I'm closing. He said, Joel, I, 
I understand you're struggling with your scar. He goes, yes, sir. And 300 pastors on the, I mean, national pastors, like guys that you and I, they don't know who we are, which is fine. God knows who we are. Okay. But I'm talking about guys who preach in all the conferences. Joel, they're all muted. Joel's talking to Gary Biker. And he goes, Joel, I understand you're having a hard time with your scar. He goes, can I give you something? He goes, I was sitting in, outside in a hospital outside of, um, outside of Washington, D.C. What's the hospital there? The Walter Reed Hospital. He goes, I was there for weeks. And like you, he goes, I was in the tip-top shape of my life. Like you, I was afraid of looking at my scar. He goes, but one day, God gave me a thought. He goes, can I share it with you? And Joel goes, yes, sir. He goes, every time I see my scar, even in my 70s, he says, I look at it and said, God kept me alive. That scar is a reminder that God loves me. From that moment on, he allowed that scar to be part of who he is. If he was here and if it was not too awkward of a moment, if it was a silent moment, he wouldn't want to come up and you know, pull his pants up, but... If it was just a small, intimate group, he'd, and he was wearing, he was, that's where tearaway pants a lot, he'd open his pants and he'd show you that scar. Because that scar is not what it takes. It, you know, a lot of people struggle, even in my own personal family, people I love struggle with bitterness. I heard about Robert E. Lee. You know, Robert E. Lee, we're in the South now, so I know I have a split, a split group here. Because <laughs> some of y'all are from the North. But Robert E. Lee went to a woman's house one day. I read this last week. It just came to my mind. Robert E. Lee went to a woman's house one day, and the woman was just so upset with what the North did to her lawn. There were bullet holes in her beautiful tree that she had in her front yard. And Robert E. Lee said it would be better for you to tear it down to the roots than to look at it and get bitter every day about what happened to us. You know, you either look at your scar that God has allowed me to go through this. Because by the way, I've come to this conclusion from having talks like this, meeting pastors. We all have things in our life. Everyone here is hurting. I was preaching two weeks in Arkansas, and a 17-year-old boy was in a wheelchair. And I said to Jason, I said, what happened? He goes, remember, I told you. I go, what? He goes, that boy was in a car accident a month ago, and he's paralyzed for the rest of his life. 17. At the men's breakfast, Jamie didn't see this, but I spoke at the men's breakfast. He stood up, and his dad just embraced him, and all he could do was lean into his dad. And I said, God, thank you for what I have. Can we pray for a moment? Just, let's pray. Let's bow our head in prayer. I, I went too long, I'm certain. God, help me. Forgive me.